I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This talk continues our four-week teaching series, The Cell, where we look at the ancient words of the 23rd Psalm. Join us this week as we look at the cell of worry. Good morning, and welcome to Valley Point Church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and... Well, I've got a bit of a problem today. I'm kind of locked up. Now, I know some of you are thinking, right, I knew there was always something wrong with that guy. Others of you are thinking, you know what, if he's locked up, that means he's going to be uncomfortable. And if he's uncomfortable, he's going to talk faster, which means we're going to get out of here quicker. Yeah. And hopefully there's at least one individual in the room who feels sorry for me, and that's probably not even my wife. It's not. So we're in this series called The Cell, and here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the words found in the 23rd Psalm. It's probably the most popular paragraph in Scripture. And we're unpacking these ancient words, these powerful words, and we're discovering that they actually have a few things to say about life today. So here's what we're discovering. We're finding that this journey called life has a way of beating us up, doesn't it? We're discovering that this journey called life has a way of knocking us down. We're discovering that this journey called life has a way of trapping us and taking our freedom to where we're stuck. Let me ask you, have you ever been locked up? I mean, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been stuck and you're not able to move about in a normal kind of way? And maybe it hasn't happened physically like this, but have you ever been stuck or locked up, or unable to move in your mind mentally? Has that ever happened to you? I can tell you that this is not fun, because I like to talk with my hands, and I'm not even able to do that. So this is not a good scenario for us. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually said in John chapter 10, I came so they can have real and eternal life. I mean, that's why Jesus came. He didn't come so that we could live like this and be all bound and stuck and unable to move. That's not why he came. He came so that we could have real and eternal life, a more and better life than what we ever dreamed of. That's actually what God wants for each and every one of us. But yet we live like this. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. I don't want you to miss this. We choose to do this to ourselves I mean, we actually choose this. We can't blame somebody else that we end up this way. It is our choice to get trapped, captured, and shut in to the cell. And here's one of the greatest ways that we tend to do this. It's with an emotion called worry. This is what worry does to us. This is what worry looks like. It captures us and shuts us into the cell. So I think it's fair to say that we all worry about stuff in life, don't we? 
I mean, we worry about friends. We worry about our kids and the choices that they're going to make. We worry about our cars. We worry about the weather. We worry about sickness. We worry about disease. We worry about germs. We worry about our cars. We worry about money. We worry about our retirement portfolios. We worry about the guy who's falling asleep to me right now. We worry about if there's going to be enough food at the tailgating party for everybody here, right? I mean, I know some of you are worried about that. We worry about Roy Halliday, yeah? We worry about worry. This past Tuesday, there was a great storm that kind of blew into the area. And as a family, we were home that night, and so we were kind of looking out the windows and watching as the sky grew pretty dark and the wind started to blow in, and it was a pretty cool thing to watch. And in our backyard, we have this little blow-up kiddie pool that our kids like to swim in. And on that particular day, we had actually emptied it because we weren't using it. And so I put it in a little corner of the back of our house, and that's where it stays. So the sky is getting darker, and the wind's blowing in, and it's just a fun thing to watch. And I could tell that my daughter, Kaylee, was looking out the window, and she's worried about the pool. So she finally looked at me, and she said, Dad, is the pool going to be okay? Or is it going to blow away? And I said, don't worry about the pool. It'll be just fine. I put it in the back of the house there. It's in a corner, and there's no way that that pool can blow away. It's just not going to happen. Well, I could tell she was still a little worried about that. And wouldn't you know, a couple of minutes later, she's screaming. And a couple of other people in the house are screaming. And I look out the window, and that thing had taken flight. I mean, we're talking Mary Poppins here. It's twisting and turning. Okay, it actually wasn't twisting and turning, but I mean, it was really moving and it was incredible and it's floating through the air and then it stuck to the back of my neighbor's house. So the kids are screaming and they ran out and they peeled it off this guy's house and then they went and they put it in the garage. It was really a fun thing to watch. They were worried about that pool. I wasn't worried about the pool at all. I'm just worried about my neighbor now who probably found my pool on the back of his house, but that's like a whole different story. See, we worry about all kinds of things, don't we? And some of those things are small and insignificant and probably not that big of a deal, but then there are those things that we worry about that are very serious. See, here's the thing about worry. It consumes It absolutely consumes. And when we get consumed with worry, we can only think about worry. And here's why. It's big, it's there, and it doesn't just pack up and leave. It doesn't. That's kind of how you can define worry. It's there, it's big, and it does not pack up and leave. So let me ask you, what are you worried about? today. Hmm? What is that one big thing that just won't pack up and leave that is consuming you? See, we need to think about this, and here's why. It's because worry steals. It's exactly what it does. It steals our movement. It steals our joy. It steals our smile. It steals our contentment. It steals our generosity. It steals me from being the kind of person that God wants me to be. And when that happens, we land 
in the cell and we prefer it there because it kind of starts to feel like home and we're stuck and we cannot find a way out. See, there's no way that we can get out of this. I mean, we just can't do it. And that's why we need a guide. It's why we need a leader. It's why we need a shepherd. And the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to listen to the words of Psalm 23. And as you listen, I want you to think about what might be doing this to you. What's consuming you? What's filling you with worry, causing you to land in the cell. Check this out. Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Help me thank Officer Mike Jones. Yeah. So Psalm 23 is written by a guy named David. David was a shepherd. That was part of his job when he was growing up. And so he had the ability to lead sheep. And he was really good at that. And he would care for them. And he knew them. And later in David's life, he wrote the 23rd Psalm, what you just heard. And in that Psalm, he says, God is the shepherd. He's the one who does that, and we are the sheep. We're the ones who need care. We're the ones who need help. We're the ones who need protection. And David is shouting out in this psalm that God is the one who provides this. He is a great shepherd. He's amazing. And so what I want to do today is I want to just zero in on one verse, and then we'll pull some thoughts out of that. So here's verse 4 of the 23rd Psalm. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to personalize this a little bit. When you see the word I, I want you to put your name in there because here's what we tend to do when we read scripture. It's for somebody else, right? 
Like, that's their problem. They've got to figure it out. I'm okay. But I want everybody to personalize this because when you personalize scripture, so much better. So even when I, put your name there, walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So here's our big idea for today. It's break out of the cell of worry with a focus on the right solution. And we're going to take some time and figure that out. So what I want to do is I want to pull three thoughts right out of verse 4 that are going to help us find the right solution for not landing in the cell of worry. Here's thought number one. Dark valleys exist. They do. Back to verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Now, sometimes you hear that verse read this way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So here's a question. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about dark valleys or are we talking about death? Answer. We're talking about both. Now here's the deal. It's basically saying, that God can and will guide. He's the shepherd. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't forget about us. And during this journey, God will be a safe and certain guide. Now, here's the reality. Dark valleys exist. Pain exists. Death exists. And because that stuff is real, it causes us to worry just a bit. Now, I want to talk to some specific groups in the room for just a bit. We've got some graduates in the room, and you guys are excited and thrilled about what's next, and you've accomplished a lot, and you're probably on a high right now, and that's a wonderful thing. But just know that dark valleys exist. Young marrieds, dark valleys exist. Young professionals, dark valleys exist. Midlifers, dark valleys exist. And you're laughing because you felt that a little bit. Singles, dark valleys exist. Retirees, dark valleys exist. And for all of us, death is ahead. See, dark valleys exist and that makes us worry. Now, we could stop right there and this would all be kind of depressing if we just ended it, but verse four doesn't stop right there and so we're gonna move on to thought number two and here it is. The shepherd is close beside me, meaning I don't have to worry about being alone because the shepherd is close beside me. I don't have to worry about being alone. Again, I don't have to worry about being alone. Again, I don't have to worry about being alone because the shepherd is close. Verse four, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. And I think David, the author here, probably knew this feeling better than anybody else. David was one of eight sons and In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we've got this great story about how a prophet named Samuel comes to David's father, 
and says, God has spoken to me, and he's told me that one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. So this is like a big deal here. I mean, they're excited, and you know they put on their best clothes, and they put on some cologne, and then they lined up oldest to youngest. I mean, this is American Idol on steroids because there's actually something at stake here. We're talking about a king. And so Samuel looks at each son, and God doesn't speak to him. And he gets through all seven and then finally looks at David's father and says, don't you have another son? Because I'm not getting anything from God here. God's not speaking to me. And I think there might be one more son hiding somewhere. Do you have that son? And Jesse, the father, said, actually, yeah, we do have the youngest son, but he's out taking care of sheep. Now that term, that verbiage that Jesse used there, I still have the youngest son, was not really a nice term. It wasn't a nice phrase. It's not like he said, you know what? I still have the baby of the family to show you, but I didn't think you'd want to see the baby because we're talking about a king here. So I thought you'd want one of the older sons over here. It's not that kind of term. It's not like Jesse said, hey, I still have the youngest, the cutest the best behaved, and he's got king written all over him, and so I need to bring him in right now, and you can check him out. I'm certain that he will be king. That's not the way it worked at all. As a matter of fact, the whole family was in on this, and the older boys knew exactly what their dad meant. They knew that we have a younger son, and there's no way on earth that we will let him be king. So we're going to let him stay out in the field, and we're going to let him continue to just be the shepherd. With that phrase, I still have the youngest son. Here's what Jesse actually meant. I still have the runt. The runt is still available if you want him. And on this day, the runt was left out. Can you imagine a family meeting being called? and your name isn't? It's pretty much what happened to David. Have you ever been called the runt? Have you ever been left out? Have you ever been pushed to the back? Have you ever been overlooked for lesser talent? Have you ever been avoided because of something that's happened in your life? See, David knew the feeling, but instead of landing in a cell of worry and being consumed with that, he just came out and said, I know that the shepherd, he is close beside me and he knows me. I mean, nobody else knows me. Nobody else cares about me. Nobody else is interested in me. They call me names and they push me to the back and they don't want me involved in these family meetings. But the shepherd, the shepherd, the shepherd, he knows me. See, we have a choice here. We can live in the land of worry. We can hang out in that cell and allow that to drive our choices and our decisions. Or we can walk with the shepherd where we get to lose fear, where we get to lose worry. So it comes down to a choice. What do you want to do? Do you want to stay in that cell of worry and allow choices and decisions to be driven by that and be bound and locked up and unable to move? Or do you want to walk with the shepherd who takes care of all fear?
Thought number three, protection and comfort are available. Here's the last part of verse four. It says, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Now, people usually think of the rod and the staff as the same kind of thing, but these are actually separate tools. They're separate weapons. See, in this culture, shepherds really didn't have the ability to buy their own weapons. They were generally poor, and they couldn't just go to the store and get an axe or a knife to protect their sheep. It wasn't available to them, and so they had to make weapons. And so here we have a rod. It's really a club, kind of a short thing, that would be used for hand-to-hand combat probably carved out of a root or a tree of some kind. And when other animals would come to eat the sheep, because let's face it, leg of lamb tastes amazing, doesn't it? I mean, a little mint jelly and you've got the salt and the sweet thing going on. I mean, leg of lamb is amazing and everybody wants a piece of that. So you get these animals coming in to take care of these sheep and he would pull out that little club that he made and he would hit that animal and send it running. It was a valuable weapon to him, the rod, the club. In addition to that, he would have something that was really more of a tool called a staff, which was much longer and taller, would have a hook on the end of that. And that staff would be used for gently pushing the sheep in the right direction. Or they would use that staff and that hook there to gently pull a sheep back on to the right kind of path. So the shepherd here has at least two tools, two weapons, a club for fighting and a staff for leading. Now here's what's incredible about this. Never in scripture or in any picture of a sheep anywhere do you see them holding a club. I mean, it doesn't happen. And never in scripture or in any picture of a sheep do you see them holding a staff as if they're going to use that to pull their friends back onto the right path. Sheep can't hold things. It's not possible for them to do that. And that's why they need a shepherd, someone with a club to protect them and a staff to guide them. And David is trying to get us to understand this is the whole deal right here. I mean, it's the whole deal. We're the sheep. And we don't have the ability to protect ourselves. We're not that good at that. And we really don't have the ability to find our own way. We're not that good at that either. And so the shepherd comes along and says, this is what I can do for you. Here's God speaking. I have a club for protection and a staff for leading and guiding. This is an amazing shepherd. Amazing. So a few takeaways for us. First of all, trust the shepherd. Trust the shepherd. I mean, we've talked about him, and he's incredible, but do you know him? I mean, can you honestly say that the Lord is my shepherd, that he belongs to me? Have you trusted in him alone to save you? Have you embraced his leadership and his forgiveness? See, if you haven't, you can take that step today and you can begin to unload all of your worry at the feet of the shepherd, the one with a club and a staff. You can do that. Trust the shepherd. 
maybe that's a step that you've already taken. So here's another takeaway. Walk with the one who can do what you cannot. See, there's so much that we can't do as sheep. I mean, there's a lot that we can't do. So walk with the one who can do what you cannot. See, you know what our problem is? Our problem is that we like to figure things out on our own. And as soon as we try to figure things out on our own, we have to worry about that. We have to wonder, is it going to happen? Is it going to work out? Am I going to have enough money for that? Are things going to go my way? Whatever I try to figure out on my own, I now have to worry about that. And the shepherd says, you're not good enough for that. You're not. Walk with the one who can do what you cannot. Follow me. I'm the guide. My rod, my staff, they comfort and they protect. You know, maybe you're here and you're thinking, I don't worry about that much at all. I mean, life is pretty good right now. I'm living on easy street and I'm loving it. Well, just know, dark valleys exist. And when that day comes, you'll want a shepherd. And the reason you'll want a shepherd is because you don't want these things hanging around your arms and your legs. You don't want this stuff trapping you and keeping you from moving the way that God wants you to move. You don't want this stuff keeping you in the cell because the cell is not where God wants us. So all of this, all of this helps us just break out of the cell of worry by having the right kind of plan. And the plan, the solution, is the shepherd. It's the shepherd. The shepherd who says, I can protect and I can guide. This is what I do. He's an amazing shepherd. Father, we come to you right now and we're so thankful for just a few moments to be able to look at these ancient words that were penned by David, somebody who was a shepherd who understood what it's like to care for sheep and protect them and guide them and he knew what tools were needed and were necessary. And God, he's given us this word that is as real for us today as it was the day it was written, and that is the Lord is my shepherd. And when we walk through these dark valleys and when pain happens and when death invades, God, you are there and you know us. Even when other people may not know us and we get rejected and pushed to the back, you are there and you know us and your rod and your staff. They just protect, and guide. I'd like for you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. This kind of being a private time between you and God, a time for you just to think about your own life. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted the shepherd and it's kind of making sense to you that this is what you need to do and you understand 
that he is incredible and he can protect and guide you and you want that in your life, I would just encourage you from your heart to God's ears silently, you just begin to talk to him and say, dear God, I know that I can't figure out life on my own. Just tell him that in your own words. And I know that you paid the price for all my sin and all my mistakes as the shepherd. And right now, God, I come to you. And I ask for your leadership. Lead me, just lead me. And I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me. And I trust in you alone. If that's something that you've just offered up to God, I want to say congratulations to you. You now have a shepherd who will never leave you. He'll never leave. And he will be there to protect and to guide. He is a friend who sticks closer than any friend that you could ever imagine. You have the shepherd. He's yours. Maybe you're here and you've already trusted in Christ, but you have found that you're consumed with worry. Worry about life, kids, relationships, money, stuff, whatever. You're just worried. And you have realized today that's kind of keeping you in a cell and you're locked up and you're stuck and you're not able to move about the way that God wants you to. Will you just own that right now? Will you just tell God, I'm ready to step out and I'm ready to trust the one who can do what I cannot. I'm ready to walk with you. Just tell him that. And then whatever that worry is, whatever that thing is that won't pack up and leave, just talk to God about that very item right now. Lay it at the feet of the shepherd. God, I want to thank you for Psalm 23 and for what it says there about who we are and who you are. You're the shepherd. We're the sheep. We need help. We need somebody to guide us. We need somebody to lead us. We need somebody who will know us, and that's you. And so we praise you, and we honor you, and we are so thankful for what you provide for us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.